Enjoy the future, folks. Here it is right now. Pedersen, Besser, and Hughes. It's Besser with Pedersen. Pedersen shoots, scores! Elias Pedersen, first career hat-trick overtime winner. Quinn Hughes makes a quick dash down the near side. Takes the puck behind the net, banks it to himself. Out the near side, Hughes shoots, stopped by Quick. Rebound, they score! Brock Besser! as well because Quinn Hughes has his first point in the NHL but it was all set up by the dynamic play of number 43 in blue Welcome into the Connects and Pucks podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Zader, and I'm very happy to announce uh, my, my return to the airwaves here, to the podcast world. And uh, this debut episode is going to debut a few new format uh, for the show. We're going to be starting with some Canucks talk with Josh Ray over at uh, Canuck Way and now the hockey writers uh, covering the Florida Panthers. And uh, we'll move right into draft talk with Andrew Forbes. Very excited to have him on the show. Uh, he's a longtime writer, seven years over at uh, the Hockey Writers. He's done a whole ton of stuff in the hockey world, starting with um, CBC's Hockey Night in Canada, doing some coverage there. And uh, he's a big draft uh, expert over at the Hockey Writers. He's got his rankings out for March, and uh, he's he's a pretty busy guy. So I'm really happy for him taking the time to get on this, uh, this episode. And then uh, finally, we'll be getting into talking around a round table hot button round table new segment i've got going here we'll do a bi-weekly segment with two different hockey writers um, from across the hockey world two different nhl teams and maybe even some whl uh, we'll see where that all goes some chl stuff uh, we've got jeremy ridgewell from the toronto maple leafs coverage over at overtime heroics and treg wilson from the hockey writers uh, with the montreal canadians coverage over there so I'm really excited for them to come on the show. We'll be talking uh, some lively debates, a lively discussion about the new hub cities that were just announced and then the tank, or not to tank, uh, debate that's been going on on social media over the last uh, few weeks um, here since the draft lottery has gotten uh, its results there. The first overall pick is still in play. Uh, so we'll see a lot of goes as it goes. Um, that was a great debate. And uh, yeah, we'll get going in a few minutes, but uh, first we'll get to some Canucks news that is coming down the pipe here. Um, first, Nikita Tramkin coming uh, with his coming out with his agent saying that he's uh, close to signing, maybe close to signing with the Canucks uh, in the next uh, bit here. Um, big debate going on on Twitter if he's worth um, going after right now. Uh, clearly the Everyone wants Jacob Markstrom, uh, Tyler Toffoli signed before we get into depth uh, pieces like Tramkin. He's a big body, uh, probably one that would help the Canucks uh, if he's uh, a legitimate NHL defenseman, that is. Um, you know, he he's he's going to be a good defenseman, but, at, you know, it depends on what it costs. You know, 1.5 million to maybe okay uh, if you get up rid of the 3 million plus. He's, you know, he's an unknown. Uh, you're not really sure what he's going to get uh, in the end with him. Uh, we'll see all that all plays out in the next few days or few weeks. Um, Tram- Elias Pettersson had a press conference uh, yesterday 
uh, on Zoom. Um, uh, you know, you look at, uh, he seems to be ready, seems to be stronger. Uh, that's really great to see, especially with how important he is to the Canucks going forward. Uh, he's probably, you know, one of the most uh, impactful players the Canucks have uh, next to Quinn Hughes and uh, JT Miller uh, and them. So we'll see how uh, how he kind of gets it going in the, in the playoffs too. Uh, he's very, very key. Uh, going forward. Uh, same with Jacob Markstrom. Uh, yeah, and and we'll see how all that kind of plays out in the next few weeks if we do get to see that series against the Minnesota Wild, um, hopefully by August. And uh, yeah, Canucks are back in town. There's a few of them that are back at Rogers Arena. And uh, it's nice to see hockey kind of getting back going. So uh, let's get this episode going. And, and after the break, we'll be talking with Josh Ray, of the Canuck way and uh, let's go. Uh, Josh Ray from uh, recently the hockey writers. He's been primarily on Canuck way and uh, actually started there with him uh, before I got on hockey writers. So it's uh, really great to have you here, Josh. Uh, pleasure to be here. He's also on another podcast called the Avid Discuss. Discuss. What is that? What is it called again? <laughs> the Avid Discussers Podcast. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yep. I, uh, okay. I got tied there. So, yeah. So we'll talk. Uh, we'll talk Canucks uh, primarily, and we'll kind of finish off with a few other thoughts. And first of all, uh, is the the matchup with the Wild um, when we actually get hockey going again? Uh, what do you think? How do you think the Canucks match up with them? On paper, I think they're better. They're a much younger team. I think, um, you know, we got the the young core, Pedersen, Besser, Horvat, Hughes, and Minnesota. They're they're an oddball team, a team that's pretty of the pack, and they're an aging team as well. They got Suter, Parise, and uh, their captain, um, Koivu. I think the Canucks got the better offense and goaltending, but uh, Minnesota has a better defense. Yeah, that's that's what kind of what I was thinking too. I mean, the the Canucks have probably way a way better top six uh, oh, yeah. for offense uh, if everything goes the same way as the season went. Um, but and even even in the third and fourth lines, they've got some more offensive depth there. But the Wild again, yeah, like you said, they're an oddball team. They've got a lot of a lot of pieces that could uh, potentially hurt the Canucks. You got uh, Fiala there, who was really good during the season against them. Uh, you got guys like Parise, who's, you know, he's usually pretty good in the playoffs, but he is an older player, so I don't know if he'll have much, have a, as big of an impact as he did in previous playoffs. But it it should be an interesting series, uh, nonetheless. Oh yeah, it should be. And I don't think the us Canucks fans should take the while lightly. Because uh, they have players like guys you mentioned, Fiala, even Alex Galchenyuk, who's notoriously been scoring against the Canucks for the past few years, and they could, if they get going, the Canucks could be in trouble. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, even a guy like Eric Sinek, who's, uh, I mean, he's an offensive player too. He, I mean, in a in a short series, like a five-game series, they stuff can go. You know, two games, you're already really behind. Even one game, 
losing one game, you're behind the eight ball. And we all know what can happen in a few, you know, even just a couple games. And uh, this is not a long series. So it's uh, one game can uh, kind of determine a lot. Yep, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, just to go off of that, uh, what type of what? What are your picks for the X factors uh, in the playoffs? Like players that could be a difference maker. We'll kind of pick one from each team. Um, for the Wild, I would say um, the aforementioned Kevin Fiala has had a really good season, a breakout season, in fact, and uh, uh, he um, just in those regular season games. He really made life difficult for the Canucks, and if he does that again, uh, the Wild would be in good hands. And for the Canucks, I think the X factor would be Jacob Markstrom. Uh, my opinion, the MVP for the Canucks this season, and the reason why they're in the position they are in. And if Markstrom, uh, coming off from injury and all these months without hockey, gets back to the form he was before he went down, then the Canucks... Um, could be in good hands, and he covers up a lot of their defensive problems. So if Markstrom stands on his head, um, the Canucks could be on their way to the second round. Yeah, I mean, my X factor is, is uh, we'll talk a bit more about him later, but uh, is Jake Bertanen, if he comes in and plays, uh, you know, his big body and his speed, uh, he can be a difference maker. He's kind of a guy that's built for the playoffs, and if he can get going, that could be a difference maker. And uh, for Minnesota, I'll, I'll go with Piala as well. I think uh, he was probably the most dangerous forward for the Wild uh, whenever the Canucks played them. So uh, they're going to have to be careful with him. Yep. So um, going off that again, uh, more about uh, is, I don't know if this is going to happen. It's kind of been shot down a bit in the last couple of days. Uh, potential for players like Niels Hoglander, uh, getting into the into phase three because he j he just signed a contract, but that kind of been a little bit shot down. Uh, do you think that would ever happen, or or uh, what are your thoughts on that one? I don't really see a guy like Hoglander coming in, to be honest. Well, mm -hmm. he just signed, and I think um, he doesn't make the Canucks until next season. But that's not after at least half a year in Utica, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the thing is, uh, there's a lot of a lot of guys that would go into the lineup before him as well. But because Travis Green doesn't have the luxury of a of being able to just put guys in, because play, again, it's a five game series, you don't really want to put a guy that's untested in the NHL into a lineup, especially when you don't have exactly. to. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and I mean, next <laughs> is uh, a guy that will be uh, in that training camp is Olio Levy. Uh, big a polarizing figure around the Canucks, uh, Twitter, social media is, uh, do you think he's going to make it any impact um, in this playoff series? Or do you think he's going to get in um, and the future with, uh, with the team? Well, I don't really think he's ready to be in the Canucks lineup because uh, once his injuries are concerned, he hurt his back and knee and his defensive game in his own zone and his skating really needs work. And in Utica, he was beaten on the two-on-one and the one-on-one -on -one quite often. And in the NHL, it's a whole different game. So he needs to work on his defensive game first in Utica before he makes a jump to the Canucks. And it's not, I'm not saying that 
he will never make the Canucks, and I hope he does. But I don't see that happening like Hoglander until next season, but after some more season seasoning in Utica. But on the plus side of you, Levy, he's a great penalty killer, and he's got good playmaking skills on the blue line. But I honestly think that Canucks fans shouldn't uh, give up on him yet, and there's no way he should be labeled a bust already. But the goal for Ulevi should be maybe a bottom pair defenseman for the Canucks in the future. And I do hope he does become something like that. So just pretty much my message to Canucks fans is just don't sleep on him yet. And yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. I mean, I, I've been on the, the side of Ulevi to not give up on him because he does have a lot of a lot of skills in his in his toolbox that could help the Canucks. He may never become uh, a guy that's going to be matched up to that draft plot, spot that he was drafted in, but he's still going to be a top, you know a guy that can be relied upon for the penalty killing. Um, after seeing that then deep dive that uh, Chris Faber did for Canuck Army um, on the positives and negatives of his game, and I definitely see seeing the positives a lot of. You know, a lot of smarts in the penalty killing. Um, his transition game is also good to the way he moves the puck out of the zone. So uh, that's always been his game. Even when he was drafted, he wasn't going to be a flashy defenseman. And I think, um, you know, guys that were drafted ahead of him or behind him in uh, McAvoy and uh, guys like that that are that are top four defensemen now in the NHL, um, we're kind of getting blinded by that. And just look at what, what type of defenseman he is. And he was... He's been put back behind the eight ball too with his injuries too. So that kind of puts his back his development. So, I mean, I think, yeah, I agree with you. He should, should never be given up on yet. And especially when he hasn't even played one second of NHL ice. So we'll see what, what happens in the future, but I, I still think he's going to be an impact uh, defenseman down the road. Yeah. Nothing to argue with that. Yeah. <laughs> I think he will have an impact, but once again, don't give him, give up on him early that this early no that's right or trade him before he even has a chance yeah because um, uh, <laughs> it's not gonna look good if he does turn out to be something and you traded him away that's right that same thing with Vertanen, who we'll talk about now uh he's been in the news for the oh. wrong reasons uh and first his uh, little thing with the driving and texting or videoing and then uh, now a uh, video of him being at a club without ma- a mask or anything. So, I mean, uh, I think it's been blown out of proportion. Uh, it's been kind of put out. I mean, he's been the one kind of sharing those videos, but uh, I think it's been blown out of proportion. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think Canucks Twitter gets riled up over the smallest things. First, I thought um, he was doing the wrong thing, but Rob Williams of Daily Hive, he dug up the rules of the club he went to, mm-hmm. and uh, they don't require masks, but – they have to be seated at their tables and socially distanced from other tables. And he was doing that. Right. And I don't really, I wouldn't go clubbing in this circumstances, but it's up to him. Uh, just the whole uh, Canucks Twitter feuds and everything yesterday. It's as you said, it just went out way out of proportion. And uh, the thing about Canucks Twitter, the smallest thing can set them off. <laughs> and I'm going to talk about this more on my podcast um tomorrow but uh you shouldn't really be attacking someone like someone 
uh, Vanessa Jang, she posted the video yeah. of her tannin and she went private because people kept harassing her in the replies and the DMs. And it's just dumb that uh, some these people just harass someone over over hockey or yeah. it's, it's stupid. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I saw that too. And I mean, I mean, she was the one that posted the video. She wasn't, I mean, she didn't have been one being attacked uh, about it. And and then, yeah, being forced to have to go private. And it, it's unfortunate with what social media does uh, with that type of stuff. And yeah, it, it's dumb. It shouldn't happen. Yeah, and like the slightest thing can set off Canucks Twitter. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not even like Canucks Twitter should be number one in like overreactions because <laughs> this the whole thing yesterday just pointless arguments. But uh, back to the subject on Vertanen, yeah. it's, I mean, it's fine. I he's not being selfish. He's sitting at a table and he's not mink. From the video being shown, he wasn't mingling with the other tables. He was just trying to uh, have a good time. So I just hope that he hasn't been like letting himself go too much. Like no. the last uh, training camp, he was a few pounds overweight, and I hope that doesn't happen again. But once again, I think for Tannen, uh, he was following the rules at least. I'll just end it with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I saw it too. I mean, he, he's not doing anything wrong. He's not breaking the law. He's not doing anything that's untoward. So, I mean, I think it's just a, a thing about being blown out of proportion and we'll, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Um, but I mean, on topic of him being, like I said, he's, I think he could be a difference. Maybe he comes to camp, uh, you know, with his conditioning up to par, uh, he definitely has the chance to be an impact player. Um, for the Canucks and throughout the playoffs, not just in this first first round. Um, it's going to be exciting to kind of see him perform in a pressure cooker like that, because looking back at his WHL days, he did, he was a difference maker for the Calgary Hitmen in the playoffs. And I'd love to see that type, that Vertanen in, uh, in a Canucks jersey. Yeah. Um, Vertanen would be my second X factor behind Markstrom because Playoff for Tannen, uh, he's pretty much built for the playoffs. Like, he's got the speed, the shot. Uh, he can be an agitator, and he can throw these really big hits. And if he does become the playoff for Tannen we want him to be, then the Canucks should be uh, in for a good time in the, play- in the playoffs against Minnesota. Yeah, and, and he's – I mean, we're kind of penciling him into that third line Uh right now but I mean it's not out of the question that he gets put up uh you know elevated to the to a second line um in place of like a Tanner Pearson um you know if he gets going but even him being on the third line against some teams they he's away from some of the match and he can get get his game going it he'd be a difference maker against some of the teams that don't have as much depth down there oh yeah he he's been really good on the third line all season so if he picks that up in the playoffs, then he could prove to be a difference. Yeah. I mean, and there's some other guys down there. I mean, the way the depth the Canucks have, uh, you look at a guy like, uh, like I'm still, I, I get a lot of flack for this on uh, any articles I write about Sven Berici. 
Um, he probably won't get a chance in the playoffs, but I think if he does, he's got to t- run run with it. And every time I still bring up Berchi, it's like, oh no, he's not going to be even talked about. And I mean, I, I still think uh, Berchi still can do stuff in the NHL. Probably won't be with the Canucks anymore, but uh, if he does get a chance, he should take advantage. Yeah, I don't see Berchi playing uh, with the Canucks in the qualifying round unless they're injuries but I still think he can be an impact player but the thing that's been preventing him for having that impact is his injuries like his multiple concussions and if it weren't for those uh concussions and all those other injuries he probably would have been like a 20 goal 40 point guy yeah but I still see him making some sort of impact in the NHL but like you said I don't think it's going to be with the Canucks it's likely going to be with another team that's right um, just going off of that injury thing um, is Michael Furlan. Uh, kind of a news here today is him being heading over, heading to Vancouver. Uh, do you think he'll have any impact in the playoffs, um, or do you think he should be playing at all? Um, he would have an impact in the playoffs, but again, if he's healthy. Yeah. When he's healthy, uh, Michael Furlan is a powerhouse and is a guy who can fight, hit, score goals. But uh, we've all seen that when he was with the Flames against the Canucks in 2015. But if he's not healthy, uh, he shouldn't be going at all. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. It's it's not just about hockey and his lifestyle. I and mean, if he gets hurt, I think another con- he's another concussion away from retirement. Yeah, um, I agree with that, 100%. So, I mean, it, it's... You know, risking his health um, for a little bit of a playoff run, maybe, um, may not be the right choice. But I mean, we got to kind of trust the doctors and, you know, his his thing about being healthy. But yeah, if he's healthy, he's definitely a difference maker of what we've seen. So we'll see what happens uh, as time goes on. Because we'll, the thing is, is when he's come back in the past, he's gotten, you know, leaving the game he comes back in because of a, because of a concussion and it's not even anything big. Like he hits, he just throws a hit and all of a sudden he's leaving the game. Um, that's not a good sign. Yeah. And we'll see the next couple of weeks, see what the doctors think, see how he feels. If he feels healthy, I think he should go, but he's got to be careful once again. If not, then you should sit this one out because he is one major injury, even a concussion away from retirement. Yeah, that's great. Um, We'll go off that last last thing. Talk about the playoffs, and then we'll, and then we'll talk about uh, the lottery results that were just, that just happened. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> uh, one bold prediction for the playoffs. Uh, what's your bold? I will say we'll go with one for the Canucks and then one for in a general uh, league. In general. Yeah. Hmm. Bold predictions. I'm not the best at making predictions, <laughs> but uh, I'll say uh, one Canuck will have a hat trick in the five-game series. I'm not going to say who, but a hat-trick will be scored by a Canuck. And for the rest of the, the NHL, I predict the Rangers will beat the Hurricanes. Oh, that's actually, yeah. That's actually a bold one. Yeah, um, yeah mine, mine, I'll go with... Uh, I did a hockey writer's uh, piece on this in the roundtable. Um, I suspect Berchi's going to come and do something in the playoffs. Uh, I'll kind of 
go away from that a little bit and I'll say that, uh, I mean, a bold prediction. Yeah. It's hard to do because I mean, it has to be something that may not happen. So <laughs> I'm going to say Quinn Hughes is going to have, uh, I'll say Quinn Hughes is going to have the hat trick in this series. Oh, that is bold. That is yeah, a bold. I don't, I don't expect my <laughs> takes to age well because they never do, but I'll be pleasantly surprised if they do age well. Yeah. So, and uh, for in general, um, I'm going to say the Columbus Blue Jackets are going to take uh, Toronto out. Um, even though I think Toronto has the bigger offense uh, to get, but Columbus is very structured in their defense. I think they're going to, they're going to move on. Yeah. The Leafs defense, um, they aren't really good. I mean, Columbus has the better <laughs> defense, but I can see why you think that though. Yeah. So that, uh, now onto the big, uh, which we're, I'm going to have a huge thing with another, couple other guests later on in the show uh about this same topic but uh tank or not to tank uh because the lottery results if you lose in this qualifying round you have a 12.5 percent chance of getting first overall and that would be now it's lafreniere um what do you think about that perspective of tanking or not tanking um to get a chance at that pick well, to be honest, I would be on Team Tank, but uh, after seeing all these debates, I'm all I'm on Team Whatever Happens Happens, which <laughs> uh, was coined by David Codrelli, Army, yeah. and um, I will be happy if the Canucks beat the Wild because I would like to see guys like Patterson, Vesser, Vertanen, Hughes, and Horn some playoff experience. But if they lose, um, I'll happily take the 12.5 odds and. Uh, Knowing our our draft lottery luck, I wouldn't get my hopes up too high, but Alexei Lafreniere would be huge for the Canucks. And if the Canucks end up winning the draft lottery and drafting him, I could see this team becoming a potential dynasty down the road. Mm. And yeah, that that's almost the, as I was saying. If you get a guy like that, you look at the young players the Canucks already have uh, coming up, like. You got Pud Coles and you got Hogliner coming. And you already have Pedersen and Hughes. And yeah, that was Lafreniere to that mix. I mean, yeah, the Canucks could become that dynasty team. But uh, yeah, I, I'm on that same team of the whatever happens, happens. Because the thing is, right now, the Canucks are competing in the playoffs. And that's something, uh, or competing for the playoffs, really, this isn't the playoffs yet. But in that atmosphere, and we've want, been wanting this for four seasons now. And we're going to be getting it. I mean, that's that's exciting in itself. And if we go, you know, you don't get through that. Yeah, you get a 12.5% chance of the first overall pick. And then when you get to that road, then, then you get excited about that. But for tanking just for the sake of a chance, and of course the players or the coaches aren't going to be saying that to their players to do that because the, that wouldn't go over very well. So I, I think, yeah, I'm on your, the same team. Glad we agree. And, uh, I can see why people want this team to lose, but uh, the players play the game to win and the coaches coach to win. Uh, I've tried cheering for the Canucks to lose in years past, and it's really, really, really hard. Yeah. I can't see myself doing it. I've been a Canucks fan for my whole life and I can't do it. Like I can't, I can't say, Oh yeah, I want the Canucks to lose this game because it would just never happen. Uh, Yeah. I, I, that's something that would never happen for me. 
and uh, the playoff experience um, would be helpful. And we've been waiting almost five years for mm-hmm. playoffs. And the goal at the start of the season was to make the playoffs. And technically, in a way, they did. It's not really it's the playoffs yet. It's a qualifying round. So if they beat the Wild, uh, once again, I'll be pretty happy. And losing to the Wild, I'll be happy too. So in a way, it's kind of a win-win. Yeah, but. Um, 12.5% is much bigger than the past draft lottery odds the Canucks have had. And uh, again, I'm not going to get my hopes up too high, but uh, I would be, the second the Canucks lose to the Wild, I'll be begging for the odds to go in our favor. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, we've had a lot of disappointment in that, in the at the time being uh, out of those that lottery, but I mean, the Canucks can wipe some pretty big pieces by losing, quote unquote, losing the lottery, getting uh, Pedersen That's true. and Hughes, Get and then Pod Coles in this past way year. So, I mean, you can't really complain now um, having those three coming up and two of them that are already making a huge impact in the lineup and Pod Coles, and it's going to be a stud as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty excited for what's happened anyway. And if the Canucks get the you know lose the wild get the first round pick and even if they don't win the lottery i mean the pick is still in the first round and yeah, uh deep draft some really good players down yeah and, some really uh, good players yeah in that top fit you know wherever the canucks are going to land uh, there's still going to be some really good players there um i don't know if benning's going to actually may entertain trading that first round pick to get some extra help somewhere else uh, but we'll come to that we'll venture down that tunnel when it comes yep we will or if it comes (laughs) yeah if it comes yeah all right um yeah it was uh, great talking with uh you josh yeah great talking to you too uh, yeah um do do it again in the future as uh, as we go down the road and into the get closer to the playoffs and more discussion and it's just great to be able to talk hockey again not just talking about the past uh it felt like we feels like we've been in, in the quote-unquote off-season for like six months already so <laughs> oh it feels like five years <laughs> or more than that, or um, more than that. talking about the, the past talking about history top 10 lists and all that um it's gonna be nice to be talking uh future and uh talking about the present again with hockey so it was great talking with you i'll yeah, have you on again you too and uh it'd be great to actually watch some hockey some live hockey Oh, yes, I agree. Even if there's no fans in the stands and the uh, commentators aren't even there. So, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. thanks for having me, Matt. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I'll give you the floor just to kind of announce anything you have coming up in the pipeline, and I'll just give you the floor to you. Yeah. Um, for my podcast, Avid Discussers, which I host with Ty Party, expect episode five to be dropped on Saturday. We've got Rich. Uh, Joshua Griffiths of Sports Talk Line as a guest. And um, I forgot his last name, uh, Rich, the NFL writer. We also have him as a guest. And um, I will say now that we've got uh, two big guests planned. One's a media guy, and one is a former Canucks player. I'm not going to say who, but I will give more details in the next coming days or weeks. And as for writing, I will continue to write for Canuck Way and the hockey writers about the Florida Panthers. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for coming on the podcast. And, oh, you're uh, welcome. Thanks for having me. 
I hope to be on yours uh, in the future as well. As uh, it love to. seems to be blowing up uh, really early on, so that's great. Yeah, and I'm glad it has. <laughs> All right, uh, you can follow uh, Josh at uh, on Twitter at Joshua Ray ninety one. Uh, you can also find his work on, uh, like you said, the Canuck Way and uh, newly on the Hockey Writers, um, where I write as well, and uh, for the Florida Panthers. So uh, thanks again for coming on, and I hope to talk to you soon. Yeah, I hope to talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, Josh, for coming on the podcast. Uh, it's a great topic, the Canucks, and all the stuff that was happening in the hockey world in the last couple of weeks. Um, next, we're going to be talking with Andrew Forbes, who is a great guest on the show, and uh, and he's a big writer over the Hockey Writers. Uh, we'll get to him after the break. Vancouver selects from the University of Michigan, Quinn Hughes. And with our first selection, we select from Timra, Elias Peterson. The 2019, the Vancouver Canucks draft from St. Petersburg of the KHL, Vasilya Potsovac. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm joined by Andrew Forbes of the Hockey Writers. Uh, he's the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, primary writer there and he's also a huge NHL draft uh, analyst as well uh, thank you for joining me Andrew thanks for having me on Matt yeah so uh, usually we'd be talking about the draft the post stuff after the draft now and and as a way as it is we're not we're talking about pre-draft things and uh, a lot more profiles in hockey writers than usual and uh, that's a lot, very exciting to kind of get deeper into the different prospects than uh, a usual draft year. Um, first thing I want to ask you, Andrew, is about uh, Cam Robinson's recent rankings that he brought out, his final rankings, uh, and he had Quentin Byfield at the top, uh, while almost everyone else has Alex Lafreniere as the consensus number one pick. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Um, you know, I mean, the, the greatest thing about these prospect rankings is that, you know, there are so many differing opinions. Um, you know, you're never going to get the exact same rankings from any, any two people. Um, you know, that, that said, I have a lot of respect for Cam Robinson and what he does uh, surrounding prospects in the game. And, uh, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion. I do believe that Alexis Lafreniere will be the number one pick, but, you know, I think this, this season, a lot of things played against Byfield and, and, you know, going to the world juniors, not getting the ice time that maybe he would have liked, maybe not getting the production he would have liked from himself. Um, that was just definitely a huge setback. And, you know, playing for Sudbury isn't, uh, you know, isn't always big in the, in the O and uh, you know, but he was still able to put up 82 points in, in 45 uh, regular season games. So, I mean, he, the fact is that the talent level there is there for, for a guy like Byfield. He's got the size, you know, six four. He's he's just over two ten. Um, uh, he, he definitely has what it takes to make it and, and crack an NHL roster. Um, but I, I do think that when you're talking about Lafreniere versus Byfield, there is a slight step and difference in terms of, you know, maybe maybe they, where they're at and where their ceiling is, um, in and what where they can take their game. And you know, it's going to come down to who gets that number one pick and what their needs are in their prospect pool and moving forward. Uh, but, you know, Robinson could be right in, in that he does have, you know, maybe Byfield is, is what somebody, some team out there is looking for and, and they take that chance. But 
Uh, I think if you look at most of the rankings, uh, Lafreniere is going to be your number one pick, and and I don't see that changing uh, when the draft rolls around. Yeah, I mean, Byfield's a centerman too. So, I mean, there's some teams that that are looking for the big centerman to kind of, you know, fill out their team. And like you said, it's, yeah, it depends on the needs of the teams and uh, we'll see what happens. But, I mean, Lafreniere, the, what he did this season and what he could have done if the season actually finished, um, you know, he, he kind of broke every record out there and put up a lot of points. And it's kind of hard to imagine that he won't do stuff in the NHL when he comes in. So, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think he's the number one pick. Um, and, well, but, I mean, you, you can look at a lot of the top, I'd say probably the top 15. They're all going to be really uh, great NHL players when, uh, when it all's said and done. Oh, yeah, and I, I think, too, you mentioned it. I mean, Byfield's that big center. If, if there's a team out there looking for that, they're going to they're gonna make that move. But, you know, it, it's tough to, tough to pass on a, on, a, on a winger that can basically do everything that you ask him to do. He, he's able to score. He's able to see the game. He's able to, you know, move the pocket and, and make plays and, and draw defenders in. And, and that's what you get in Lafreniere. And I think, uh, you know, you put, him, you put him on any top line in, in, in the NHL with any team and, you know, you're, you're going to be set for, for a few years. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, and just looking at your top five from the last rankings you uh, put out on hockey writers there, I mean, you have, uh, Stutzel as uh, number two pick and Byfield's at number three. So, I mean, do you think there's going to be any movement in that uh, top five or uh, will it kind of stay that uh, those five? No, I think there, you know, I think there's definitely going to be movement. Uh, my my late last rankings was from March. Um, I'm hoping to get uh, some, some rankings out soon uh, pre-draft and, and, you know, look at maybe jumbling up that top 10 um, just a little bit. I, I do think Byfield has made it, you know, he's made that kind of push for the number two spot. And, and there has been a lot of discussion as to, you know, his size and what he can bring to a team. Um, you know, I think, I think guys like Lucas Raymond, uh, there are some questions surrounding him. Uh, I'm not sure they're, they're all warranted, uh, but you know, guys like that might be moving up and down. And, and there's been a lot of talk lately about Marco Rossi uh, from the Ottawa 67s and what he's been able to do uh, in, in his short stint in the OHL. And, you know, I think uh, there's, there's, like you said, there's, there's discussions to, ha to be had about, you know, maybe your top 15 coming out of this draft and, and what they'll be able to do at the next level. Um, and, and the other thing to consider is, you know, if there's a team like Ottawa who needs a goaltender uh, for the future, you know, a Yaroslav Askarov is, is a guy that, you know, maybe they look at in the, uh, in, in their draft plans, but, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely going to be an interesting draft year especially with you know like you said everything that's going on right now it's it's you know it's it's a different different world we're living in and, and the draft might uh, dictate that yeah I mean you mentioned Askarov there and I mean last time we had a first round pick pardon me if I'm wrong but I was probably Carey Price in the first round um last time there was an actual goaltender drafted there they're usually a little deeper yeah, I mean, you look back at the history of the draft, and and you know you don't you don't see a lot of goaltenders going first round. I think there's a lot that lays on their shoulders, and, and the development's just different for them, right? They come up, you know, a, a few years after what you know would seemingly be the right uh, right time for players to to make that jump to the NHL, and you know, to be a first round goaltender, you have to have you know, that top end talent and be the goalie, the franchise goalie for a team, you know, in the coming years. 
do you think he comes into the NHL like first couple of years or do you think he's going to actually kind of need some seasoning still? I think in the right system and the right development, he could be, he could be a guy that makes that jump in the next two to three years. Um, you know, he, he has the, he has the great mobility from post to post. He, he comes out and challenges the puck well and, and uh, he, he seems to see through traffic in front of the net really well. So I mean, just just those kind of things, you know, if, if they can develop and, and and kind of carry over to that next level, it, it can really make a difference in in how quickly they can make that jump. Yeah, I mean, goaltenders in general, they, they do take the longer development path uh, in general. So, I mean, we'll see when he comes in. But, yeah, like I said, in the right system, like Carey Price came in pretty early. Um, amongst some controversy on that, uh, him becoming that number one, uh, right away over a guy like Christabel Huey at that time. But uh, it's, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see eventually what happens, what team gets them. Yeah. And that's, that's the other thing too, is it all depends on what team picks them. You know, like, like I said, if, if a team like Ottawa picks them and they, you know, they have the right path opening for him, then, uh, you know, maybe he's the guy. Um, if, if he gets drafted by a team that, uh, you know, maybe has a little bit of goaltending depth, maybe you're looking at, you know, a four to five year development plan for him. So it's, it's going to come down to where he goes in the draft. And, and uh, you know, if he is a top 10 pick, I, I'd say you're look, probably looking at a guy that comes in in the next couple of years. Yeah. I may be mistaken. I think it may have been Halak, not uh, anyway, but <laughs> one of those two. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, you mentioned the Ottawa Senators and they have some pretty high picks coming into the draft. And uh, they can come away with at least two big uh, cornerstone pieces, depending on who they pick. Who do you think they would pick at this point? I've seen a lot of talk about maybe going the, the, the dual Swede uh, route with uh, Lucas Raymond and, and Alexander Holtz. Um, that said, I, I was just kind of looking through their prospect pool and, and what they have. And, you know, they have a lot of depth um, on the back end. Um, and I think they, what, what they really do need is, is goaltending depth in the, in their pipeline. And, you know, that's where, that's where I, I started looking at Askarov and, and maybe he's a potential guy that they, they look at either drafting in the top five or trading down to get that guy. Uh, so long, that, so long as they can make sure that, uh, you know, he's, he, they get what they're looking for. Um, but I, I think like, you know, like you said, there's, there's so much talent in that top 15, every player plays a different game. Um, you know, I think it's, it's going to come down to what, what they think their needs are. Um, but I would say right now they're probably looking at, you know, maybe a center and a winger or two wingers, or if, uh, if I am right, maybe they make a move and try and get Askarov. Yeah. It'll be an interesting, interesting draft. I'd say, especially with the guys coming up you know, so uh, the different teams that have so many picks in the first round. I mean, Ottawa could choose to, to trade it down uh, and and get some more pieces. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting, interesting once we do get the draft going. Oh, yeah, it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be an exciting year. Um, you know, a lot of talent in that, in that first round, even, even into your second round, you're going to see some guys that are going to have, uh, you know, pretty solid NHL careers when, when it's all said and done. So it'll be fun to look back on this draft in, in a few years and see where everyone's at. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know we'll say, we'll talk about a bit, uh, I'll get a couple sleepers, a couple picks that you think will jump uh, like we saw uh, Detroit do in last year's draft kind of uh, made a huge move for uh, that the German defenseman there coming up pretty high. Do you think any, um, any guys are going to jump 
uh, when we get going there? Yeah, I think there's a few guys, maybe not necessarily in the first round. I think your first round is, is fairly set in terms of, you know, what, what will be, what names will be called out, but you know, there's guys like Tyson Forrester who, um, you know, he's, he's projected to be sort of that, uh, I would say middle second round pick. Um, but he's, he's definitely a guy that, you know, might, might jump into an early, early second round pick and, and uh, be able to make a difference, uh, you know, within a couple of years. Um, one guy that uh, being in London, I, I had a chance to see a little bit was uh, Luke Evangelista of the, the London Knights. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that uh, at the beginning of the season was, was projected below his, his teammate, uh, his teammate uh, Antonio Strange is there. And, uh, you know, he was able to play him potentially a second to third round pick. And he could be a guy that, you know, teams might, uh, might not necessarily want to take the, take the chance on, but he could be a guy that you look back on and say, you know, maybe he should have gone earlier in the draft. Uh, you know, he's a smaller guy, um, but uh, you know, he showed uh, this year playing a little bit with McMichael and, and, and Foodie that uh, he has the potential to, to really be an offensive threat, um, you know, both from a goal scoring standpoint and, and from a playmaking standpoint. So, you know, that, that, that's definitely a guy that I'm, I'm looking at uh, and, and interested to see where he goes. And then a guy that, that I don't think got a lot enough credit this year is, is James Hardy from uh, the Mississauga Steelheads. And, you know, there's a guy that, um, you know, he had, uh, he had 34 goals in, in 50 in 59 games and averaged over a point per game this season. And he's still projected to be somewhere in the third to fourth round. So that could be another guy that maybe, maybe makes a jump into uh, late second, early third. Uh, but it'll all depend, like I said, on, on what people are looking for when it comes to, uh, or what teams are looking for when it comes to, to their, uh, their draft spots. Yeah. And let's shift gears a bit about the, the draft lottery that was sort of phase one of the draft lottery that was just done there. And, uh, you know, the unprecedented thing that uh, we're doing here and, and then you go and get, oh, we still don't know who's going to be picking first overall. So it's going to be an interesting playoffs. We already, there's a huge discussion on, you know, teams that are going to, are they going to tank? Are they going to, you know, try to get that first overall or get a chance the first overall pick? Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, as a, as a guy that covers the, the Leafs, um, you know, this might be the one year that uh, you see a lot of fans wanting them to lose the first round, but, you know, it makes me question whether now's a good time for them to to lose that first round. And, you know, the chance is still only 12.5%, which, I mean, is a, is a good chance. But, you know, you're still fighting against eight teams for that first overall pick. And, uh, you know, for, for a team like Toronto, you know, right now is the time where you need to build a little bit of confidence, especially with what they've gone through in the last three seasons and not getting out of that first round. So, you, you know, you kind of look at that. Um, but in terms of the first overall pick still being in question. You see a lot of hate for the NHL, uh, especially on social media right now in terms of, you know, of course this is working out in their favor. They're going to, you know, they're, they're benefiting off of this and, and you have to, you know, I, I was doing a lot of reading about, you know, a playoff team is going to get the first overall pick, but you have to remember that a lot of these teams still weren't playoff teams without the play in series that we're going to be having, um, you know, when it all starts up again. So, I mean, it's not necessary, not necessarily the fact that a playoff team is going to get the first overall pick. This could still be a Montreal or a Chicago, which 
we're not in line to make the playoffs if it were a regular season like we were used to. These are teams that are getting a basically a second opportunity to try and play themselves into the playoffs. And, uh, you know, they would still have been in the lottery had, had the season gone the way that it was supposed to. Um, so I, I don't think that it's a shock. Uh, I think it's, I think it's great parody for the NHL. Um, I think, you know, I feel bad for Ottawa and, and Detroit. I think both teams, you know, what we saw this season, both of them deserve to be up there in the, in the first overall spot. Um, you know, especially a team like Ottawa, you know, where they have to suffer with a, with a, an owner like Eugene Melnick, where, you know, just nothing seems to be going right for that team right now. Um, you know, it would, it would have been nice to get a first overall selection and, and bring a, a you know, a, a French Canadian to, uh, to Ottawa. And I just, uh, you know, it's, it, like I said, it, it creates parity in the NHL, and I think that's exactly what they're going for. Yeah, I mean, the the one thing about, and I, I mean, Canucks fans, and we're all used to dropping in the lottery, and it's, it's something that, it's just the luck of the draw. I mean, it's not the NHL going out after teams and saying, oh, no, we're, we're going to screw you over. Um, it's just the luck of what's happening, and I mean, and the Canucks came out with some pretty good guys anyway, even by dropping in the draft. And I'm sure Detroit and Ottawa, I mean, they are going to get some really good players even where they are. So, I mean, they're still going to have some good pieces going forward. Yeah, I think, I think you gotta, you gotta look at Detroit from, you know, years of years past where, yeah, obviously it's nice to have that first overall pick or, or top five pick, but when it comes down to, it's all about, you know, those depth guys, those, those guys that you turn into stars that you draft later in the, in the draft that, you know, can, can come out and be a game changer. Look at the, look at the Zetterbergs, look at the Datsuks. Those guys weren't drafted first round. Those guys were, you know, fifth and seventh round picks. Like, you know, that's what, that's what you have to kind of hope for when you're, when you're drafting is that your, your scouting team is going to do you the, the solid and find those guys, you know, that you can maybe sit on for a few rounds and, and, you know, they'll, they'll come up and be game changers once they've developed into NHL players. And that's the thing. I mean, scouts, uh, scouting staff, that's where the importance comes through. I mean, most teams can get good guys in the first, uh, first round, and that's the percentage-wise most of those guys do make the NHL in some capacity. Uh, the scouting is done in the second uh, round and beyond. So uh, that's where the importance of those guys come in and your, the quality of the scouts that are there. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, um, and just to finish, kind of finish off, uh, shift gears a bit. Um, the announcement that Toronto and Edmonton are going to be the hub cities going forward. Um, not sure that's those the two uh, two guys that were in the discussion right off the bat. But uh, what are your thoughts on that development? Uh, you know, being a Canadian. Being from Canada, it's you know I think it's great for for Canada to get two hub cities. Um, at the same time, you know I think it, it hurts the it hurts the game a little bit down south. And uh, you know I think I think it's just it just comes down to having to be careful with with the decisions they make right now and and with with everything that's going on. It's you know it wasn't a, it wasn't a, an easy choice, I'm sure like they they're looking for every opportunity to make sure that the players that any family that travels with them is, is safe and and that they're not going to be you know dealing with the repercussions of, of starting up the game again um 
you know, months down the road. I, I think when it comes down to it, uh, you're seeing it with the NBA and, and you're seeing the questions in the NFL right now. And there's a lot of people that just don't want to see the games started back up at this point. You, you want to see them sort of cancel the season, start from scratch when this is all said and done. If it, you know, if that happens anytime soon. Um, but I, in, in saying that, you know, I think I think the NHL probably did their their due diligence, due due diligence, rather, and uh, you know, probably did their research and and you know, they they went with the best uh, best cities that they they saw fit, kind of uh, what they were looking for in terms of making sure that their players and the, and their product was safe, and you know, it, it is what it is, and and. and from what I'm hearing, Edmonton is is going to be the uh, the home to the Stanley Cup final, which uh, I think is great for the city of Edmonton. And you know, it's been a long time, uh, long time since they've seen uh, the Stanley Cup uh, there, just just as as it has been with Toronto. And uh, you know, I think it'll be good for the game just to to get them back on the ice and and hopefully everybody stays safe. Yeah, and that's the big thing is is the safety of the players, and it seems like that they've gotten stuff kind of set up in a way that that's going to be possible. So it's great to have hockey back and, and we'll see if everything's ratified though. It's not a set done deal yet. I mean, the NHLPA still has to sign off on it and players need to sign off. So, I mean, there's still some uncertainty there. We'll probably find that out within the next week. So we a lot more talk uh, as we go forward. For sure. Um, just to finish off, I uh, saw your article on the biggest uh, Hall of Hockey Hall of Fame snubs there, and I can't help but notice is Alexander McGillney not being in the Hall of Fame. Um, I mean, we saw him with the Canucks quite a few years there. He was scoring quite a few goals, and what he did with the Buffalo Sabres, I mean, his stats kind of speak for themselves. Uh, what are your thoughts on what's your biggest, the biggest snub of uh, of all of them there? Um. I mean, that's tough. Like I said in the article, um, you know, I, I do, if, if you read back on some of the articles I've posted, I've been with the hockey writers for about eight years now. Um, if you read back on some of the things that I've written, I'm, you know, I'm not a huge advocate for naming so many players to the uh, hockey hall of fame. I think, you know, you take away the, the uh, you take away the, the lore that comes with being in the hockey hall of fame when you, you're naming five and six players every year to the hockey hall of fame. Uh, I think it should be a little bit more like baseball where, you know, they have a certain amount of years that they're eligible. And, and once that's up, it's, you know, if you weren't good enough to go in against the people that you retired with, the people that you played with, then, you know, maybe unfortunately you weren't good enough to go in at that, at that time. Uh, but that being said, that's not the way that the hockey hall of fame works. And um, I do think that McGillney was probably the biggest snub, um, you know, not just because of what he did on the ice, uh, which I think, like you said, the statistics, the numbers, they speak for themselves. This is a guy who has a Stanley Cup, uh, which used to be one of the qualifications for getting into the Hall of Fame. Uh, but, you know, you're talking about a guy who, you know, defected from the Soviet Union and uh, changed, you know, the way that, you know, people saw these Russian players coming over and joining the NHL. Um, he opened a door that maybe wasn't open prior to that, uh, at least not the way that he had done it. And, you know, that, that continued right up until, you know, Evgeny Malkin did the same thing coming over and playing for Pittsburgh. So, I, I mean, the, the things he did for the game, you know, both on the ice and off the ice really, 
I think speak for themselves in, in saying that, you know, this is a guy who deserves to be in there, deserves to have his name enshrined with some of the best in the game. And, you know, I would have loved to have him, you know, in Toronto for a little bit longer because of the way that he played with Sundin and Tucker, um, you know, they, they created one of the best power plays in the game when they were, when they were on. So, um, you know, I think he's the biggest snub and, and like I said in the article as well, I think, you know, I'm always an advocate for, for Theron Fleury. Um, I had the chance to, to chat with Fleury uh, uh, while he was on his, his uh, book signing tour. And, um, you know, I, I know he said he had some choice words for the Hall of Fame. I know what he did off the ice is, is definitely not part of the gentleman's club that is the Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, that said, you know, this is, this is a guy who was a point-per-game player over 1,084 games. This is a guy who has the, has the Stanley Cup. This is a guy who, um, you know, won at every single level that he played at, World Juniors, you know, um, he just Olympics. Like this, you know, it, it's so hard to see a guy like that not get, you know, the recognition that maybe he deserves and, and what he went through prior to his NHL days and what he did during his NHL days. I mean, what he's done for the game since then is, is, you know, he's like McGillney, he's opened the doors to the conversation and, you know, we see it now with the way that things are in the, in junior hockey, mm. uh, you know, the, the hockey mentality and the, the culture that surrounds the game. And, and he opened the door for that conversation, whether, whether we like to admit it or not, the way that he did it, it was a little, little rough and, and the way that he did it, you know, definitely brings into question what he did during his playing days. Um, but you take that away and you, and you look at what he did on the ice and you look what he did for, for opening that door to the conversation of, of, you know, sexual abuse in the game and, and that kind of stuff. And, you know, this is a guy that deserves some sort of recognition. And uh, I, I do think his day is coming. Um, I just think that they're, they're waiting a little too long at this point. Yeah, I agree with everything you said there. I mean, Theron Fleury's always been, even though he played for the Calgary Flames, I, I've been, I was impressed with how he uh, fought through all he, you know, coming out with all of this stuff that, uh, with the sexual abuse and stuff like that, and uh, with uh, how small he was in a in a time where, you know, there weren't a lot of smaller players uh, succeeding. So, yeah, he's a really skilled player for for his size and. Uh, the way he, yeah, like you said, opened doors to the the conversation there, which was key. So, yeah, he definitely deserves some recognition there. Well, and, and like you mentioned, you know, smaller for, for the time that he played. And the thing is, he was a polarizing player. You, you, you either liked him or you didn't. And, you know, the way he played the game and, and brought the atmosphere of the of the, the rink, uh, he, he raised the level in every rink that he stepped into. And, and you know, I think that that – draws in the fans that draws in hockey fans whether you you like to admit it or not that's uh, you know a polarizing player can do a lot for the game and I think that's what he did yeah that's that's for sure um so yeah that uh, brings us to a close of uh that was uh, awesome having you on and I hope to have, have you on more as the draft kind of gets closer and uh kind of having updates on on your rankings uh when they do come out I'll just give you some a little bit of time to kind of be you know announce anything that you've got coming up and uh, I'll just give the floor to you. Well, I'll definitely uh, have uh, a ranking coming out, uh, draft ranking prior to the draft. Uh, it'll be my final ranking. Um, 
I think uh, I'll be touching on, uh, I'll do, I'm working on a Maple Leafs mailbag at the moment. Uh, so any questions for Maple Leafs fans or, or fans of hockey in general, you know, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter or uh, through the website and um, the hockey writers, obviously. And, um, you know, I, it's hockey, hockey is an amazing thing. And, and right now it's, it's great that uh, we're getting the game back on the ice and, and hopefully bringing everybody back together in, in a time where, you know, everything's so uncertain. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, again, thanks for joining me, uh, Andrew, and I uh, hope you have the, a good rest of the day. And you can follow uh, Andrew at, uh, on Twitter at Andrew G. Forbes, and uh, you can find his contact on the Hockey Writers as well for the Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, the NHL Draft coming up. Thank you again, Andrew, for coming on. Thanks, Matt, and I look forward to coming on again, hopefully. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew, for coming on the show. Uh, it was a great, a great discussion about the draft there, and I uh, really enjoyed you being on. Hopefully, we can have you on again soon because uh, uh, the draft is not going away. Uh, it won't. It'll be back uh, pretty fast um, in the next few months, and we'll be like uh, analyzing these prospects to death before uh, that even happens, and uh, we'll know everything you got to know about uh, Alexis Lafreniere and. Uh, Quentin Byfield and the like, so um, they're going to be under the microscope for a few more months. And uh, next, we're, I'm very excited to debut the Hot Button Roundtable on the show with Canucks and Pucks. Uh, we'll be talking with Jeremy Ridgewell and Treg Wilson, who is uh, very gracious for those, the, those guys to come onto the show and uh, talk uh, NHL, everything that's going on with COVID-19, uh, the pandemic going on, and what return to play is going to look like. So it was a great, uh, it's a great discussion with those two, and we'll be talking with them in a, in right around the corner. Joined uh, by Jeremy Ridgewell from uh, Overtime Heroics, um, he covers the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, there for uh, for the site, and we also have uh, Treg from the Hockey Writers. And he covers Montreal Canadiens. Uh, we'll say say hi to Jeremy first. Uh, Jeremy, thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. And uh, Craig, thanks for uh, Craig, thanks for coming on as well. Uh, it's really happy to have you both here. Yeah, no, no problem. Thanks for having me. All right. So uh, yeah, first first topic we'll we'll tackle on the the new segment uh, that I've got going here is the hot button roundtable. Uh, we'll we'll start talking about the. The, the tank or not to tank debate that's been going on a lot on Twitter and uh, social media since the lottery was done. Uh, first overall pick still up for grabs after the lottery. Um, so the net, the playoffs that are going to be the playing that's going to be coming up uh, will have some consequences afterwards that the losers will have a chance at that first overall pick. So there's the debate of, of tanking in that and wanting to lose to get that chance at Alex at Lafreniere. Uh, we'll start with uh, Jeremy there. Uh, what do you think about all this? Uh, I think that if you are in the need to tank to get him, then you probably shouldn't be in a playoff spot to begin with. Um, most of the teams that are in those playoff spots are already pretty stacked up against the cap or will be in the next year or so. And if you get him, you're going to have to try and fit him in three years from now. So it's a big if on my part, but I don't think anyone should tank. 
no, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, hey, Craig, you want to uh, weigh in on that? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think any team would tank anyway. Uh, like, players play to win. Um, I know for the, my sake, for my team, I think they'd be better off with a first or ninth round or first or ninth place pick and then winning a play in series against Pittsburgh. But I would never want a team or I don't think a team should tank. I totally agree with Jeremy. You shouldn't be there if you just want the pick. Um, in the case of uh, Montreal, they might not have a choice because at the trade deadline, they pretty much traded the bottom half of their team. They have no fourth line and only half of a third line. So really they're kind of in a, they put themselves in the right position to not win, even though they will play to win. So if that makes any sense to anybody, but hmm. uh, yeah, if, if you're just going to tank, then you might as well just forfeit the series and not even play. To say and the, the, yeah, the thing is about uh, I mean the players and the coaches and general managers they're not going to ask their team to do that anyway. Um, especially with with everything's online, you still want to win and uh, and win a series, even potentially win a Stanley Cup. Especially with uh, everything that's going on, You're, most teams are going to have a bigger chance than normal um, anyway because the the way it's all set up, everyone's got the same rest time, same you know, injuries aren't going to be much of an issue for most, for most of the teams too. So it's a different time. I don't think any teams is going to, are going to actively want to be losing. Yeah. And I think the other thing is, I mean, look at the situations that all these teams are going through just so they can play. I don't think you would want to go through all of that just to drop the first round. No, totally agree. Um, yeah. They're, I mean, if you want to talk about the situation of some players even think they're putting their lives at risk just to play. So they're not going to do that just to not, you know, just to skate around and not even try. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing is, it's like, you know, it's the case of the Canucks. Um, like on Twitter, I've observed a, a lot of, there's the two side debate of everyone kind of thinking the Canucks shouldn't be trying too much in these playoffs because of the fact that we're not ready um, yet to be a Stanley Cup contender and to try to add another piece. But the thing is, is the way the Canucks have been going with the draft uh, lottery uh, results, they, we haven't had the best luck with that anyway. So, I mean, losing to, for just another chance of getting that pick, I think if the Canucks do end up losing to the Wild, then there is, you know, then then you kind of hope, okay, hopefully maybe we'll get that chance. That's going to be with the Montreal Canadiens too and uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs if they end up losing. I mean, that's when you start thinking about it, not now. Uh, exactly. I mean, personally, I think Montreal's better in the long run to not beat Pittsburgh, but I don't want them to tank. I don't want them to purposely lose. Um, and Toronto, I mean, Jer- you would know more than I would, Jeremy, but I think it would be worse for Toronto to lose and get a draft pick because, like you said, three years, you're going to have to sign uh, um, Lafreniere there and – I don't know. These well, guys yeah, still need defense, so. Yeah, I mean, the team needs defense, and we've got guys coming up that are going to want big-time salaries. And, you know, something's got to give at some point, so. Yeah. And the thing is, the Canucks are going to be in that that uh, territory, too, in the next few years with signing Lewis Pedersen and uh, Quinn Hughes uh, coming down the road. So, I mean, they got to be thinking about that, too. 
and uh, we're ready with spending signings, uh, kind of having a little bit of problems at this point with signing guys like uh, Tyler Toffoli, uh, Dallin Roy, and Jacob Markstrom. So uh, all three of the teams that we're talking about, they're all in positions that they're going to have to sign these big players coming up, more so with Toronto and the Canucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that that's a that's been the big debate in the last few weeks, and it's gonna come up. It's gonna be up until the end of those play-in series, and when all the teams kind of get into that draft lottery phase again, and uh, we'll be talking about that right up to then. Um, so, yeah, I think the debate will rage on. So yeah, next uh, next we'll talk about which is more recent is the two hub cities that were just announced. Um, Edmonton and Toronto being the two hub cities, Edmonton in the West, Toronto for the Eastern teams, and then Edmonton getting the Stanley Cup final and the conference finals as well. So um, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, we'll start with Jeremy on that. Um, I don't think it makes a huge difference from the player standpoint. Um, there's not really a home ice advantage. Um, you've got no fans. Um, Every team has played in those two buildings, you know, at least more than once. So I don't think it's a big deal. Um, with Edmonton getting the conference finals and finals, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that it is a nicer, newer building. And the NHL gets to showcase it that way. Um, but, yeah, I got no problem with uh, with those two cities. Yeah, what do you think about uh, that, Craig? Uh, I, I, I'm just glad it's two Canadian cities with what's going on down in the States with COVID and that, it, you know, it'd be ridiculous to have anything in the States. Um, but I, I, I agree with Jeremy. I got no issue with the two cities. I think Toronto was there from the get go. Uh, Edmonton, uh, there was talks about uh, a team in Alberta, uh, one of the Alberta cities or not a team, but a, 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 a using the arenas in one of the Alberta cities for a while now. And it makes sense uh, uh, that both cities can, can bring all the players in and, uh, you know, have the space and the hotels and everything available to help quarantine them better. And I, I think it's uh, it's a good call by the NHL. And the, th- the thing is too, is like Vancouver was in there towards the end until, uh, you know, the province kind of thought, well, we're, we're not going to bow down to some of the, the things the NHL wanted. Um, in my mind, I, I think it's probably in the long run uh, good for Vancouver not to be in there. But I mean, yeah, like you said, it's it's not going to matter where these these things are. Uh, the NHL has gone to pretty good lengths to protect the players. Um, you know, hopefully this all gets it all happens. Uh, I just saw on on Twitter there that uh, Jeremy posted about uh, St. Louis having to shut down their practice facilities because of some cases. So it's all going to, there's going to be more of that as time goes on as well. Mm-hmm. The thing you got to worry about is uh, like there's 25 cases, I think confirmed cases in the NHL right now. Hmm. My worry worry is what happens if you start these plays and playoffs and then there's a major outbreak, like what happens then? Yeah. I, I was thinking that too, the other day that, uh, you know, what if during a series, all of a sudden, you know, these, yeah, like you said, a lot of cases start happening. What are they going to do? Shut down the whole playoffs and say, well, that's it. And we'll wait. Um, I mean, yeah. Yeah. They get to think like you look at a team like uh, 
Toronto or Edmonton, say Matthews, Nylander, Anderson all get COVID or McDavid and Dreisaitl get COVID. That's pretty much the series for that team. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'll throw a joke at Jeremy. Not that Matthew shows up in the playoffs anyway, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, like, um, none of us really know what, what the NHL's put in place. Like, is there a certain number, you know, like if X amount of players get it, we're shutting it down. Like, we haven't been told any of that yet, so. Well, from what I read today is the NHL PA has not even, they haven't even agreed on all the details for this. So it's not a guarantee everything's starting. I, I think the 13th is phase three. Yeah. And they're preparing for it, but nothing's been agreed upon except for the hub cities. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's a good question, Jeremy. Like, where, where, do you, where does it stop? Like, and what if one team gets ravaged, but the other team doesn't? So say Pittsburgh loses all their top players to COVID and Montreal doesn't like hmm. what I mean you would yeah, think very fine line that they're walking them yeah personally I think they should cancel the season personally that's <laughs> what I think but it's not my call <laughs> I I'm kind of split on that I mean I I think I think they probably you know as it goes on here I'm being more of the belief they should just you know cancel it get ready for next season fresh and uh, stop with this trying to get, you know, this season completed. Um, no, like I said, the NHLPA hasn't signed off on any of this yet. Uh, the players still have to vote on it. And we'll see how everyone kind of thinks because, you know, rumors around the league, there's a lot of people that don't, a lot of players that don't want it to go forward. Yeah, like for me, I think they should have canceled. I mean, I love my hockey, but, you know, by this time of the year, I'm, usually in full Blue Jays mode. So <laughs> yeah. it's kind of weird that we're still talking about hockey players trying to come back. So, Yeah, I, I'm the same way. I mean, I'm in Yankee mode, but not Blue Jay mode. But uh, I uh, I don't really want to watch hockey in August, to be honest with you. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I, I will because I love hockey. And, mm-hmm. but, uh, and then when does next season start? January, yeah. February, March? So I say... It's not like we haven't canceled the season before because of other stupid stuff like lockouts and stuff. Like mm-hmm. no one's gonna no one's gonna care if the Stanley Cup's not awarded, except for the money makers. Really, it's a to me this is all fueled by revenue and money. So yeah, yeah, I agreed. And the thing is, is that that's why they want to finish it. They want to get the the television money because there's not going to be arena money. Uh, no one's going to be watching the games, <laughs> you know, physically. So. Uh, it's all money from that uh, TV stuff. So it, that's all it's going to come down to. Well, and I think that's kind of part of why the players are negotiating because I'm pretty sure that they knew if the season's canceled, like there goes your escrow. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, uh, I know Carey Price has come out and said there's got to be a lot of questions that need answered that the players don't have answers to yet. I don't think any player is going to vote against playing uh, just because it's hockey and that's just the way they are. Uh, but I think there's a lot of players. Uh, Radic uh, Gudis months ago complained, said, you know, we can't play in the Olympics because we might get hurt, but we can play during a pandemic. Or <laughs> we might die. Right? Yeah. So. Yeah. It. Uh, I agree. Jeremy said Nick hit the nail on the head. It's a fine line because mm-hmm. where do we draw the line? Where do you say, all right, enough's enough. This isn't going to work. Right. 
like does this 25 cases if this turns into 60 cases in a week do they say okay it's not happening or do they say all right no nope, that's not enough we'll keep going yeah and that's the thing i mean are they going to say it was, oh that's an injury and you have to deal with it or you know one or two players that they still got to make sure that it didn't spread to everyone else so it's a whole mixed bag of things that if that happens and there's not no guarantee that it won't happen. Oh, I mean, are you really going to watch, want to watch Vancouver in a series if Pedersen and, uh, and Quinn and all them guys are, have COVID and can't play? That's yeah. And probably not. So, I mean, <laughs> that, that's the, that's the thing. Well, and I mean, if they do end up getting it now, I mean, we don't fully understand what the long-term effects are. I mean, from what I understand, it's debilitating to the lungs. And I mean, yes, these guys are athletes, but you could be ruining the, the rest of their entire career by just trying to play through this pandemic. Exactly. And I think that's some of the questions the NHLPA or the players want answered. Um, yeah, I don't – I mean, and then to me, this is why I think they should just – scrap it just scrap it there's too many what ifs yeah. my biggest thing is what if you're in round two of the playoffs and then all of a sudden you know 80 players get covid and you know are the players going to put the effort in not that they're trying to tank but are they going to put the effort in come august when they've been away from their families for two months and you know no one's rooting there's no fans there's no cheering there's no whatever is the energy level going to be there I mean, I'm in the Navy. I know what it's like to be away from a family for months at a time. The morale goes down the longer you're away. Yeah. And I mean, it could come down to maybe we do end up making it to the final. And then there's so many players out by that point that we get pretty much a meaningless final with, you know, no, no fun players to watch because they're all sitting at home. Yeah. Two yeah, NHL that, teams playing. Yeah. That that's a yeah that's basically what it would be. All the black aces are playing, and most of the yeah. AHL guys. And yeah, yeah, it's it, yeah, it's unprecedented with everything that's happening. So, I mean, yeah, when when is it going to be a point where they'll be like, well, we got we got to scrap this season because it's getting to you know we're already in uh, July, and we're supposed to be in the off season in normal circumstances and we're still talking about the draft uh you know that hasn't even happened yet so and you know when it gets to just to go with the draft a little is what's going to happen when the draft you know ultimately happens they got these players that are you know there's seasons that could start like whl has been talking about starting uh the cage all that stuff down in europe are maybe starting what's going to happen with those guys that are still draft eligible for this year well, like the, the one article I put out not long ago, I mentioned the the effects that are faced by, you know, the AHL has to wait to see what the NHL does. And to a worse extent, the ECHL has to wait to see what the AHL does. And I mean, it's just, it's horrible for business for all these, you know, leagues that don't generate the same profit that the NHL does. Yeah. Well, and then it's like what you're, you're getting up there, Matthew, the CHL is going to start in October. The NHL is not starting in February. They're not even doing the draft until October, November. Yeah. So are you drafting, say, Byfield 
in October when he's already playing, you know what I mean? CHL, yeah. you're pulling him off his team, say, all right, now you're in the NHL, you can't play anymore. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, what happens there? Uh, what happens if this, if this season doesn't end up finishing after it started? Where does everyone fall for the draft? Yeah. It, it's right? a mess. <laughs> I, I truly believe they should have done this draft lottery after the play-ins, like the entire thing. Should never have been, they should never have had two. I mean, it created a buzz. I get that. It created some uh, media attention and, and got people talking about hockey. But it, it was just dumb, in my opinion. It was, it was just dumb. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought that probably why they did it is to create that buzz. Um, oh, Definitely. Yeah, and I mean, it was that that type of thing. Well, we got to start have someone talking about hockey, some people talking about hockey, uh, in a present tense rather than just the you know the COVID stuff. And and it did, and that's what it definitely did. And look at what we're doing; we're talking about it. So, yeah. yeah. But now, if they don't have this play in our playoffs, where who gets the first pick? Yeah. Like like you know like I mean I'm gonna throw it. At Montreal has the lowest winning percentage going into these playoffs. Do they automatically get that first pick? If they go by winning yeah. percentage, do I they mean, deserve it? No, <laughs> not really. But you know, like me, I personally, I think they do deserve it. But with the way they're going, no, they don't. Like they can't just say, "All right, you're the lowest winning percentage. Here's your first pick." That's not well, fair to they, to all the other teams. Yeah, and I mean that's the thing. Like nobody who is in the playoffs should have a shot at the first overall. I mean. Toronto gets the first overall pick. Good for Toronto, but did they really deserve it? You guys were on no. pace for a hundred point season. Yeah. No. And you don't even. We don't even have room for the guy. <laughs> well, personally, throw. I'm throwing this out to you, Jeremy. You can write a story about this. You guys should draft Drysdale if you get the first overall pick. We'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> think about it. Think about it. I don't. People rooting, think we're not rooting for Toronto's. Uh, 12.5% chance there. <laughs> That's what's that. Yeah. Um, I just feel for Ottawa and, and Detroit there. They were the were one of the two of the worst teams in the league and they didn't uh, get the first overall pick and that's probably something they should have got. Ottawa got exactly what they deserved. <laughs> <laughs> we can agree on that. That's right. <laughs> they already got two really high picks there anyway, so. They're getting two, some, two really good players. They're a good Unless, team with a crappy owner. Yeah, yeah agreed. And, and, that, agreed. and that's why I said they get exactly what they deserve, just because they're owner. <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah, so just to finish off, uh, just a quick hit. Um, we'll hit on the predictions for the series, if they do end up happening. Uh, and Jeremy, who do you think is, has the edge in that Leafs-Blue Jackets series? Um. It is hard to tell. I mean, if it comes down to who comes flying out the gate fastest, I think Toronto has the advantage with the goal scoring. Um, but we know <laughs> we saw what Columbus did to Tampa last year. So they're not, uh, I know it's not the same team, but you know, you can't take them lightly. But if I had to, if Toronto can come out flying and get to Columbus before they do their trap game then Toronto has the advantage yeah um uh, and one player to watch in that series um I'd say Kapanen 
He's got the speed. He's got the his feistiness kind of returned when Toronto brought Clifford in, um, and he's he proved a couple of years ago in that series against Washington that you know you can't forget about him. So yeah, I'll I'll pick Kapanen. Right, and then finally a bold prediction for we'll say the uh, the Maple Leaf series and then one for the playoffs in general. Which playoff series am I looking forward to the most? Yeah. Ah, that's a tough one. Um, I would like to see, I'm going to get some support here from Treg, but uh, we got to see the Bruins lose, right? Exactly. (laughs) I'll get on board with that one. (laughs) We all have Bruins here. It's not Boston. (laughs) Yeah, the you just, don't want, you just don't want to play Boston, Jeremy. That, that's why you want them to lose. So. <laughs> well, I would like to play them and beat them and just have it over with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. And, Trey, we'll go on to your side. Uh, Montreal Canadiens, Pittsburgh Penguins, who do you think uh, comes out of that one? I actually wrote an article about this, uh, breaking it down, and I have Pittsburgh winning the series. Uh, Montreal, like I said, lost – pretty much the bottom half of their team at the trade deadline. And, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, Carey Price could win the ser- a small, a short <laughs> series on his own. Uh, I just don't think Montreal has the depth to match up to uh, Pittsburgh. I just, I just don't think they can hang on. Um, I mean, you pretty much have to play Phil Deneau against Malkin and Crosby, and that's oh, not yeah. going to happen. That's very so, true, yeah. yeah. I have a player to watch in that series. Uh, for Montreal, Nick Suzuki. I think... Uh, Nick Suzuki is going to be the guy to watch and to see if he can uh, further his game from, I think, what an outstanding rookie season that was shadowed by Quinn and Makar during the mm-hmm. regular season. Yeah, and then uh, a bold prediction. Edmonton Oilers are going to win the Cup. <laughs> <laughs> I, think bold I think their fans and the league would prefer that over them getting the first overall pick. Yeah. I that yeah I tend to agree with that one. <laughs> well, if they get the first overall pick, it's not going to work out anyway. So, so I don't know. Edmonton has a for some reason has a a curse when it comes to first overall picks. Yeah, <laughs> except McDavid, but that was a no brainer. Yeah. yeah, well, except McDavid. I mean, anyone. Yeah, it's going to be good for that. So, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting uh, next few weeks. Uh, we'll see if actually we'll actually get to see these series or we're going to actually have a season canceled. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting, interesting week. That's for sure. All right. Um, yeah. Thanks. Thanks both of you for coming on the show. It was a, a good discussion in the last uh, half hour here. Um, I'll just give the floor to each of you to kind of shamelessly plug anything that you got coming up. Uh, Jeremy, we'll start with you. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, it was great talking with you guys. Um, I've got a, uh, two articles that came out this week. Uh, you can check them out. Uh, one's on the career of Curtis Joseph, uh, former Leaf goaltender. And the newest one is the six foot six prospect Toronto's got going on right now, uh, Justin Brazu. Right. And, uh, Tregel, uh, I'll do the same thing for you. Uh, yeah, I'm writing an article actually right now on uh, what the Habs defense might look like next year with uh, Romanov uh, being put into the lineup. 
Uh, and on Monday, I'll be writing the Montreal, the Canadians' new uh, rumors and notes. Uh, and I just recorded, I do a weekly podcast as well called Habs Unfiltered. Uh, so if you're a Habs fan, tune into that. All right. Yeah, thanks, for, thanks both of you for coming on. It was a, it was a good talk. And uh, so you can, you can follow uh, Treg at, uh, on Twitter at TregWilson underscore THW. And you can also find his work on the Hockey Writers. And uh, Jeremy, uh, you can follow him on Twitter at, J, at J-E-R-M-Z. Uh, the numbers there. Uh, it's Germs13. Germs13, that's what it is. Uh, on Twitter, and you can also uh, see his work on uh, Overtime Heroics. And uh, what was the other one that you were on there? Uh, Tarps Off Hockey. That's the other one. Tarps Off Hockey as well. So thanks, guys, for coming on, and I hope to uh, get you on the show again uh, sometime soon. All right, all thanks, right. Matt. Thank all my guests that came on the show today. Uh, Jeremy Ridgewell, Treg Wilson, uh, Josh Ray, and finally, Andrew Forbes, for all of you coming on the show. It was uh, greatly appreciated for my uh, return to the ho- to the podcast world and the Canucks and Pucks podcast coming back in full force with some the great guests that I got had on today. Uh, remember to follow them on Twitter and social media, uh, Facebook and the like. And you can also uh, look at their work at Overtime Heroics uh, for Jeremy and Hockey Writers uh, for the rest of my guests and uh, Josh Ray over at the Canuck Way. So they're, they're great writers, they're great people, and a great discussion. So thank you guys for coming on. And uh, next week, we'll debut a few more new guests that I got down the, down the line. Um, hoping to get a few other guests coming from the Hockey Writers, uh, including Pete Bauer, who's a great writer over on, on there as well. Uh, he'll be coming on the show next week. Uh, to talk a few things about the NHL and any other new news that are coming up uh, this week as well. We'll have a couple other guests that are still uh, to be determined, so we'll be getting to them as as well. So stay tuned for all the great talk that we have coming up. Uh, We'll have another um, guest with uh, that Around the Canucks uh, discussion. Um, Hoping to get a few guys, um, another guy way maybe, or even... uh, other guy, other uh, writers that are at the Hockey Writers that uh, cover the Canucks along with itself as well. So stay tuned for that, and we will see you next week, um, Canucks Nation, and thank you for listening. Shelman across, LeBec is robbed by Markstrom. Sprawling save, stacked the pads, and stuck the left leg up in the air to kick it out. Old school goaltending, we got some old school goaltending from Jacob Markstrom. Fade. 